Hello and welcome to the C2 Podcast. Today we got a loaded show for you. We got a lot to talk about. I'm your host, Cole. And I'm Carter. And we're going to get down to business. So, first little segment we're going to talk about today. First thing is we're going to get a little golf action in. So, for segment one, we're going to talk about the match. We're going to talk about PNC Championship coming up. And we're going to have a few picks and who to watch for in this upcoming PGA season. Um, so, first of all, let's let's talk about the match. So, um, I think Spieth and JT, I mean, as we all know, pretty much dominated. Carter, you got any first thoughts? Yeah, man, you know, as we've seen with Spieth and JT, when they team up, I mean, they've been dominating in whatever they play in, Ryder Cup, you know, any sort of match play event. So, um, I certainly... I certainly would have put money on them two to win it. I don't think I expected the absolute dominance from them because, uh, you know, just leaning on the experience of Rory and Tiger, I thought they'd at least give them a little bit of better run for their money. But, you know, Spieth and JT, man, they just seem to be unbeatable when they play together. So uh, that was fun to watch. I, I think golf under the lights was really cool to see. I hope more courses start doing that, uh, you know, after they see something cool like that on TV. And uh, the – I don't think we can talk about this uh, match without talking about the uh, celebration afterwards on uh, social media with Spieth and JT uh, doing doing the shout out to James uh, James Droz there with the what happened uh, that was that was pretty entertaining. No, yeah, I like that a lot, and I think I think it brings a lot of uh, just humor to the whole situation. I think that I think first of all, I think these four guys are guys that were perfect for a match like this. I think that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh, Rory and Tiger together. Rory and Tiger together. Who guys are veterans, and at the same time they know how to have a good time. And then JT, he's got a Coors Light in uh, his cup holder <laughs> as he's playing. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and really, a lot of it's really out of jest. I think all these four guys are really good buddies. Uh, JT's always been outspoken about his admiration for Tiger and watching him. Uh, you know, when he was a youngster growing up. So, uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I think this was probably the best match yet, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of good golf played and just the the people they had out there. I, I just thought it was a, a good good setup. So looking forward to see for sure, what, what sure. uh, match they might do next. Um, Going off of that, I guess a quick thing we can talk about for these four is kind of what are do you have any predictions for these four? Um, like JT, Spieth, Rory, and Tiger for this upcoming season? Like, where do you see them going? Um, out of these four, you know, it's it's hard to ignore Rory. You know, as the reigning uh, golfer of the year, I believe is is what he received this last season. I mean, he just looks so dominant in every aspect golfer. of the game. Yeah, I mean, his he's driving the ball really well. Uh, his wedges are good. His putting's good. I mean, all around, he's a super polished player. Um, so I, I would definitely expect him to have a, a really good year. Uh, same with JT, in my opinion. These would be the two front runners that I'm looking at this upcoming season. Uh, Spieth, I know he's been making a lot of swing changes lately, and he started to catch some fire at the end of last season, and uh, hopefully he can ride that momentum. But, you know, he he always has been that up-and-down player, so we'll see if he can show up big for the big tournaments. And then, I mean, as far as Tiger, I think everyone would agree with me that we all want to see him, you know, succeed and come back and finally get to play in some uh, major championships and other events. I mean, he's obviously had a lot 
going on in his life and uh, a lot of injuries, but you know, it's always good to see him out there. So who knows, man, we might get a, another Tiger Woods masters victory. Seems to always really like playing at that, uh, playing at that venue. And, uh, he always shows up. So I think that, I think I speak on, you know, most of golf fans behalf when I say, you know, it'd be awesome to see Tiger out there this season. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he can stay healthy and, and get into uh, some events. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that, um, like you said, it's it's hard to kind of count Rory out when he is number one in the world and when he has uh, a defending defending title in the FedEx Cup. And I think that <clears throat> it'll just be really interesting to see how these four develop over the uh, course of the PGA season, especially Tiger. I mean, the history he's had, like you said, he's always worth the watch. But um, with his injuries lately and what's what he's had to deal with his personal life, stuff like that. I think it'll definitely be interesting once again to see how he reacts this year. Um, kind of building off of that, I guess we can go ahead and hop into the next thing. PNC Championship coming up. Um, we're going to be able to see Tiger and Charlie playing together. Um, Man, that is going to be that, exciting. Oh, yeah. I know that a lot of people are interested to see Charlie. This guy, I feel like in a year, has grown so much. He looks like a freaking oh my gosh. man at this point. He is. He is. It's crazy. I don't know what Tiger's feeding him. <sighs> so, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that seeing them and, of course, JT and his dad and um, just a few few of those key matches. John Daly and Lil John. Say. Out yeah, there ripping exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. Um, that, that, that's just always fun to watch. It's always to see which pairings, especially father, son duos, uh, end up on top. So, and I think, I think, I mean, Tiger admitted the other day that, I mean, Charlie will step up and drive it farther than he does a few times now. So, oh yeah, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, last year they let Charlie play from a couple tees, tee boxes up, but I think, uh, when he shows up on the property and they all see how big he is. And uh, according to Tiger's claims, how far he hits it, I, I don't know if they're going to let him play up anymore, even though he still is only, you know, like 14 or whatever he is. But I think he might yeah, have to no, – they might I, force I, him to go play back with the big boys. <laughs> I think it's getting to that point where they kind of have to. I mean, if you if you keep letting them play play up some, I mean, I, I feel like it's going to be too easy for them. So I think that that's oh, yeah. probably going to be something to look out for. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it always is. Yeah, man, I'll definitely – I can't say I've tuned in too much in the past, but I think I think in this case just to at least see Charlie, you know, I'm sure for, for those of you who have not seen, there's a, a video going around. It's pretty viral right now of a, a, a swing recently of Charlie Woods. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks really pure. It's like I want to say a hybrid between Rory and Tiger's swing. And, I mean, Tiger's been outspoken that he thinks Rory McIlroy has the best swing in the game at the moment. So he said that's the swing to copy for Charlie, honestly, which – it's pretty humbling coming from potentially, you know, the greatest golfer of all time. It's got to make Rory feel good. But, I mean, as far as, you know, I mean, Charlie just looks great. That swing is absolutely unbelievable for someone, you know, of his uh, young age. So it will be – I'll definitely be able to tune in and uh, see what see what he can do, see if he can put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I guess we can go ahead and move on to our last little part of this segment. Um, and that's just going ahead and throwing out there some picks to win the PJ this year. I mean, of course, season hasn't even really started, um, but I feel like that's just a fun thing to talk about. Um, and then another thing, we're absolutely, man, yeah. Watch out for. So yeah, I mean, so again, start. super early. 
Okay. Um, I think that Max Homa is probably my pick to win the FedEx Cup this year. I personally attended the uh, President's Cup in Charlotte this year, and I think uh, – I mean, he was just so much fun to watch. He came in. I don't think he played the first day. Um and I feel like he almost took that personally. He came out in the next two days. I mean, he absolutely balled out. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I just think that he has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I think it's been funny. Uh, he goes back and forth on Twitter with Tiger some and a bunch of other golfers. And I, uh, I, I think another part of that is just his confidence. I think that he has a lot of confidence. Um, and I think that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I really do think he's a guy to watch out for this year. And along with that, another guy to watch out for is Andrew Novak. Um, guy just absolutely strikes the ball. Novak um, Nation, baby. Uh, Novak Nation. Yep, Novak Nation. We actually have a few personal stories regarding that. But <laughs> I think that he's just a guy that really is good. I think he's an under-the-radar guy um, off the corn ferry a year back now. And I think that he's definitely somebody that can make some noise, uh, especially if he's playing well. If he gets hot, I mean, we saw it in the, on the corn ferry when he played here in Raleigh. I mean, this guy shot, I think, 10 under on day one or day two. So, I mean, he definitely is capable of shooting a low round. Um, and I think I think he's definitely a guy to look out for. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I, I totally agree with your picks there. I mean, you talk about Max Holm and Andrew Novak. Those are two guys that, I mean, they've got great swings, really short, compact swings. And, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, super repeatable. And so when you, you can you get the short game hot when you have a nice, uh, pretty technically sound swing like that. And, again, really compact, really repeatable. Then, I mean, you can definitely, uh, you can definitely make some deep runs. And, uh, yeah, as far as Max Homa, he does have that charisma. He's got that swagger. And uh, I feel like that's sometimes what you need. I mean, all these guys out on tour are all so good and really can come down to that confidence aspect or the putting aspect to separate them by a few strokes each day, you know. And that's going to be the difference between getting 30th and 20th versus winning some events. And Max has definitely got that dog in him. But, uh, you know, moving on to my uh, winning, winners and, and who to watch out for this year, I really think Tony Fee now. I mean, this might seem a little obvious. He's had a pretty good career th- so far on the PGA Tour. But just watching toward the end of last season, I mean, when this guy gets hot, it seems like he's absolutely unbeatable. I mean, he hits the ball a mile. I mean, all these guys do, but he even hits it that much further than them. Again, another guy with a really compact swing, super repeatable. And when he's got that short game dialed and when he's got his full game dialed, I mean, there were some events where he's pulling out and winning by five, ten strokes. So, I mean, he again, he's already had a pretty successful career, but when I talk about looking out for him this year, we're talking, you know, potential FedEx Cup victory, uh, potential three, four, five wins. I really think he does have that in him. Um, and as far as a guy who I think is really up and coming and a guy to watch for this year is going to be Tom Kim. Uh, he's, he's very well liked across uh, – the PGA fans and on social media, he's just a really good guy, really funny, you know, pretty soft-spoken, but everything that he says is is uh, pretty entertaining. So, yeah, he's super young, a lot of talent, uh, one of the youngest guys ever to compete on tour, and I, I still think he's only, you know, 20, 21, some, somewhere in that range. But, you know, again, I think this is, you know, people know who he is. He's pretty high in the golf rankings, but when I'm talking about watching him, we're talking about he could really burst onto the scene this year and become, like, one of the big names in golf, I think. No, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Once again, he was at the President's Cup, and he, he, I think that was his coming out party. Uh, he made some big noise at the President's Cup, and 
He was a big name. Uh, I saw in the at locker room afterwards. He was having a good time. So. Oh yeah, I he's definitely. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say he's he's another one like Max Homa, man. He's just a really funny guy. He's got that charisma to him, and uh, he seems to be just really well liked across the players and fans. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, all right. So now hopping into some college football. Um, this is a segment that I'm really excited about, especially here we getting into bowl season. Um, first of all, first thing we're gonna talk about is the Heisman. Um, this it was awarded last night, and I think that it's it's one thing that I personally don't agree with. I think a lot of people are really high on Caleb Williams. I think they think he's a good quarterback, and I think he's a great quarterback. Um, but I also think that there were better candidates for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, I think that the Heisman Trophy is such a big award. I think there's definitely other candidates, and I think it's becoming a, I think it's becoming a whoever the big name is, whoever's going to be drafted high. I think it's becoming that kind of award, and that's disappointing in my opinion. Um, I don't know, Carter. You got any thoughts? Yeah, man. I mean, like what you're saying, it it does seem like it's becoming a uh, you know popularity contest. I mean, Caleb Williams is a big name. You know, he made a splash going in the transfer portal and going over to USC. I mean, they did have a pretty good year, but when it came down to it, I mean, you look at the stats, you look at, you know, what USC was able to do, and, and they, they couldn't get it done at the end. And really, to be honest, Caleb Williams' stats compared to a couple of the other uh, Feisman, or shoot, Heisman finalists, uh, you know, they just weren't there, in my opinion. Um, we got here, you know, I might be a little biased as a uh, Tennessee fan, but, you know, I think Hendon Hooker was a really strong candidate. And, you know, if he just wouldn't have gotten injured, I think recency bias just plays too much of a factor in this. You know, if you would have asked anybody three weeks ago or whenever he got before his injury, I think you would have had a lot of people saying he should have won. And I don't really think that you can hold that against him, um, just missing out on the last game or two of the year. But, you know, that's just my opinion. I really think this year there wasn't that strong of a Heisman pool to begin with. Uh, the you know, four people or whatever that were in the final race, in my opinion, just, you know, some sometimes in, in past years you can look back and you can easily identify one or two or three guys that, you know, they're really deserving of it. But this year i just not sure if that's really – if really anybody was a super strong candidate. But, you know, again, no, yeah, I'll go down as saying – yeah. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to just reemphasize that, you know, I think without the recency bias playing a factor, when you look at everything else that Tennessee and Hendon was able to do, I think that he is uh, pretty deserving of the Heisman. But, you know, unfortunate injury that happened there. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm also really high on Hendon Hooker. I mean, once again, he's 24, 25, so he's an older guy, transferred from Virginia Tech um, and had a great year at Tennessee. And I think that, um, as you said, I think it's just – almost like a popularity contest. Um, and I think just in general, I think college football has moved into that, which is unfortunate. Um, I think now with the transfer portal, you can go and transfer and play right away. I think that has a big impact on things. And like I said, I mean, it's almost like we're having free agency um, nowadays in college football. With NIL um, and stuff so, too. Yeah, exactly. It's basically like we're signing people to contracts. Um, and I mean, I I just like the old way of college football. You go and commit. You're gonna go play maybe three, maybe four years, maybe three, whatever it may be. Um, you're gonna be committed to that team, and then you go on, move on. So I mean, it has changed, and of course times are changing, so it's understandable. But it is disappointing. So 
<clears throat> I think that Hendon Hooker's a great candidate. Another candidate that I do want to bring up is the running back for Michigan, Blake Corm. Um, I think that he, he got injured, and I think this is another reason. I think if people get hurt, I think the Heisman panel automatically assumes that you can't win the award, which I think is stupid. Um, I, I just think that it definitely has become gotten to that point where it's popularity contest and it's disappointing. So um, that's pretty much all, though, I got on the Heisman candidate. Um, like I said, I, Caleb Williams, deserving. Um, but I just think that it needs to be a more well-rounded award because it is the best player, most impactful player in college football, not the most popular. Absolutely. And I do have one final uh, parting shot on this topic. I mean, if you ask a lot of people that prefer college football over the NFL, it's because they really like that team aspect and these players that are sticking around and it like it means something for them to play for their school and, ha- and have their school on their jersey. I mean, you even see with a lot of college football teams, uh, you get sometimes where they don't even have the last names on the back because it's not about that, you know. It's about playing for the school and being a team and being committed to that team. And, you know, it is unfortunate, you know, how things are trending, which, again, it's totally understandable. I mean, you know, injuries are a real thing. And when you're a, you know, super talented person bringing in a lot of uh, revenue to the school, I mean, you definitely do deserve to see some of that money. So, again, I do understand it. But, yeah, the culture of it all is changing. And it is – a lot of this stuff's new. So, I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the next couple of years, how they're going to change these rules, how it's going to evolve. And maybe they will be able to still preserve that aspect of college football. But it's definitely interesting to keep an eye on that and see where it goes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, moving on. Um, like we mentioned – we got the bowls coming up, so um, we can go ahead and pick some bowls for this upcoming week and weekend. Um, we haven't mentioned this, but we're gonna have we have a plan to kind of get episodes of podcasts out there every week, um, and we are gonna be taking two weeks off after this one, so we're gonna go ahead and get these bowls out there. So we can go ahead and we can go through this pretty quick, Carter. Um, yeah, sure, man. So, Just go ahead and list the list the game and uh, list your pick. I'll list my pick. Don't have to explain it too much in depth unless you have something to say. But, yeah, let's get after it. All righty. Um, so, first off, the Bahamas Bowl. Um, we got Miami, Ohio, and UAB. Um, I like UAB a lot. I think that's that's who I'm going to take. I think Miami, Ohio is pretty much just as good. Uh, these kind of bowls where the kind of smaller schools are a lot harder to pick because um, you just don't know enough about – their competition and truly who is good that they've played and who is not. Um, but I think UAB's my pick. Who do you got? You know, I, I, I think I've got UAB in this one too. I haven't really seen too much of either of these teams playing this year, but uh, the UAB Blazers is their mascot, and they've got a, a pretty sick pretty sick logo. So uh, when in doubt, i got to side with, with the Blazers on this one. <laughs> um, moving on to the Cure Bowl. I you got number twenty four Troy and number twenty five UTSA. Now this is intriguing because they're both ranked. Um, and bowl games like this, you don't see two teams like this ranked very often because they're smaller. Um, but I like UTSA a lot. I mean, they had a great season last year. Another great season to follow up this year. But I'm gonna take Troy specifically because they beat App State this year when everybody was giving App State the hype after they beat Texas A and M. Troy came into App and took care of business. So I'm going Troy. All right, man, I like that reasoning. They certainly did play big when it matters. And uh, when you talk about some of these smaller schools playing in these bowl games, I mean, this is this is their chance to, you know, have a bigger audience viewing these games. And so it is a big spotlight. 
And so when you talk about, you know, which team's going to rise to the occasion, you know, Troy was able to do it earlier in the year. I'm going to go ride with you on this one as well and, and pick Troy to win this football game. All right, all right. So the next one's interesting because we got the Fenway Bowl, Cincinnati versus Louisville, and it's really interesting because Cincinnati actually just hired Louisville's head coach, Scott Satterfield. Revenge um, game. So very interesting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, I did see that Malik Cunningham, Louisville's quarterback, is not going to play in the bowl game because he's going to the draft. Um, and I don't know. I, I This is a tough one to pick because it's just – Coaching changes, not going to have a QB. So I'll probably go Cincinnati. Um, I'm sure they're missing players too because everybody opts out of the bowl games nowadays. But I think that Cincinnati will probably pull this one out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes down to, you know, having key players missing bowl games, it's really hard to tell because we haven't seen, you know, certain teams without these key players throughout the uh, duration of the season, so you never know how they're going to be able to react. But um, I think I'm going to go with the Bearcats as well on this one. All right. Um, moving on, we got the Celebration Bowl, Jackson State versus North Carolina Central. Now, <laughs> this is another interesting one because Jackson State, as we know, Coach Prime, um, moving on to Colorado um, along with his son. So, I personally am going to take NC Central. I think with all the stuff going on at Jackson State, I think Coach Prime's more focused on uh, Colorado, and I think a lot of their players got caught up in that as well. So, I mean, I know Jackson State had a great undefeated season, but I'm going to take NC Central. Yeah, man, as as a North Carolina, you know, as a North Carolina native, it's kind of hard to root against, you know, root against the NC Central uh, squad here. But I think even with all this controversy surrounding this Jackson State team with Coach Prime and what are these players going to do? Are they going to try to transfer with them? You know, we'll see what's going to be, you know, in store for that one. But I'm going to stick with Jackson State. They got a lot of talent there. Obviously, they're a well-coached program. And I think they're still going to be able to get the job done, even through the midst of all this controversy. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I mean, an undefeated team, it's hard to go against them. So it'll definitely be interesting to watch out. Um, next, we got the Las Vegas Bowl. I got number 14, Oregon State and Florida. Uh, I'm going to take number 14, Oregon State. They looked really strong at the end of the year. And the last few years, I'm just, I just haven't been high on Florida. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but I'm taking Oregon State. Yeah, and this one, again, I'm going to deviate from you here, and I'm going to take Florida to win this game. You know, SEC football, as we all know, is a powerhouse, and uh, while Florida, you know, didn't finish the season ranked, they did have a couple of really strong games against some really good opponents, and uh, I think they I think they got something to prove. I don't think the season went how they exactly wanted it to go, and I think they're going to have something to prove when they come out in this one. I think they're going to get the dub. I hear you. I hear you. Um L.A. Bowl, this is another interesting one, Washington State and Fresno State, um, Pac-12, Washington State. Um, I didn't see, I don't see too much West Coast football. I don't really care to watch too much West Coast football. It's um, too late, man. I got those 10 o'clock that... games. It's hard to watch. <laughs> Sometimes freaking midnight if you're watching Hawaii. I mean, Yeah, dang. exactly. But um, I think I'm going to take Fresno State here. Yeah, I don't really have too much explanation on this one, but uh, I'll stick with Fresno State. Um, that's really all I got. Not too much information about these teams, but, you know. 
We'll just yeah, yeah, take yeah. 50 50. Um, Lindig <laughs> <laughs> Tree Bowl. We got rice in southern Mississippi. Um, I guess we, we can start flying through some of these. Yeah. Uh, I'll take yeah. the rice. Uh, let's see. Where are we here? You know, rice, that's a pretty cool name. I'll stick with rice. <laughs> Next, we got the New Mexico Bowl and SMU versus BYU. I'm going to stick uh, with some BYU. Oh, yeah, baby. Go Cougars. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see what else. Frisco Bowl, Boise State and North Texas. I'm taking Boise State all day. Go Blue, baby. Go Blue. I'm going to ride with you as well and take Boise State. All right. Uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl. We got Marshall and UConn. Now, I do want to bring this one up because UConn played NC State this year. Um, and as NC, NC State students, it is interesting to talk about. But I like Marshall a lot. It'll be fun to watch, though, because we play Marshall next year uh, after playing UConn this year. But I'm going to take Marshall. You know what? I'm going to ride with the UConn squad on this one. When we watched them play this year, you know, they looked pretty solid. And, you know, as what you say what you want to say about NC State, but, you know, we're a pretty solid – Pretty solid program in general, especially talking on the scale of Marshall and UConn. So I think UConn's going to be able to get the job done. I hear you. Um, next, moving on, we got the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Um, Eastern Michigan and San Jose State. I got San Jose State. <sighs> this is a tough call, man. I'm going to go San Jose State. Sweet. Uh, Boca Raton Bowl. We got Liberty and Toledo. Liberty kind of fell off at the end of the year, lost their head coach to Auburn. Hugh Freeze headed down south, but I like Liberty. I've always liked Liberty a lot, football team-wise. Uh, I'm going to take Liberty. All right. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Liberty as well in this one. But, uh, you know, on behalf of the C2 podcast, I'm going to go on the record and say I believe it is the Boca Raton Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say, Boca Raton? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Hey, we uh, got to leave that in here, though. This is uh, this is live. <laughs> this is one take only, so you know that that oh, kind of stuff God. happens. <laughs> uh, moving on, the New Orleans Bowl. We got South Alabama and Western Kentucky. I got to roll with you know Alabama, the state. So I'm rolling South Alabama. I like your line of thought there, man. Alabama's got a good football program. Not sure about northeast or west, but, you know, I think South Alabama's going to be able to get the job done here. <laughs> uh, Armed Forces Bowl, we got Baylor and Air Force. I mean, the winner of the contest is in the name Armed Forces. We're going Air Force, baby. Oh, yeah. It's as patriotic as it gets over here on this podcast. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with Air Force as well. Next up, the Gasparilla Bowl, Wake Forest in Missouri. I'm going to go with ACC. Wake Forest kind of fell off towards the end of the year, uh, losing a few in a row. But I like I like Wake Forest a lot. I like their coach a lot. I'm going to Wake Forest. I think I'm going to take uh, I think I'm going to take Wake Forest as well in this one. Uh, again, they're a similar situation to Florida in my opinion, where they came out and they they were looking pretty good early on in the year. A couple well fought battles that they just barely lost and. Uh, kind of fell apart at the end of the year. But, again, I think the, the players that are going to be in this one got something to prove, and they're going to come out and, and give it a good game, give it a good run. For sure, for sure. Um, next up, the Independence Bowl. This is the last prediction we got for the upcoming week. Um, Houston, Louisiana, I'm going to take Houston. You know what? I'm going to ride with Houston as well. They've got a pretty good basketball program this year. I think there's a lot of buzz around that school. People really excited to – 
watch their sport programs, uh, get some work in. So I'm going to go with Houston as well. Sweet. All right, and then every college segment, uh, we've agreed to talk a little bit about our local team spotlight, the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Uh, it is hard to be a fan. Here. <laughs> <laughs> it is very hard to be a fan. Um, so, of course, North Carolina State's playing in the Mayo Bowl. We are playing Maryland and Charlotte. Um, I think it'll be interesting. We can go ahead and make picks for that, I guess. Um, without really a QB – uh, in the last game, we played Carolina, and we didn't really have a QB. Started Ben Finley, and he balled out, and that I, I was awesome to see. Um, he's the fourth-string QB, um, comes in and plays big. So I'm going to take State. Um, I know I'm biased, but i got to roll with the Wolfpack. Yeah, I'm biased as well, but I've got to roll with my home team as well. Uh, you know, the Wolfpack, we're going to find a way to get the job done. And uh, before we end this segment, I do want to go on record saying I believe it was like – a month or two ago, maybe two months, right after we the loss to Clemson. And uh, my co-host here, Cole, said, you know what? I got a feeling NC State's going to end up in the Mayo Bowl this year. So what a prediction <laughs> on that. Uh, not sure if there's uh, if you could possibly put any money on that, but if you were to have able to have done that back then, I think you'd be a few bones richer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that about does it for the college football segment. So next we're going to go ahead and move on to segment number three, uh, talk some NFL football, and I'll go ahead and let Carter take that one away. Yeah, as the uh, local NFL uh, football resident uh, expert, um, I'm going to go ahead and take over here talking about the NFL. So let's go and let's go and look up into some key matchups for this upcoming week. So we're recording this on a Sunday. We're currently watching NFL, but we're going to be talking about the next Sunday so that uh, y'all can hear this before the games actually happen. Um, so let's first let's take a look at the Niners Seahawks Thursday night game to kick us off this week. What what are your thoughts on this one, Cole? I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I think that it'll definitely be interesting. Um, let's see. I think that probably. I mean, I'm probably going to go Niners if we're here picking. Uh, I think that the Niners look good. Um, I know that they're having a little quarterback controversy. I was kind of surprised they didn't even put a claim in for Baker Mayfield. I was kind of expecting at least a claim for him. Um, as we know, he went on to the Rams, balled out for them the other night um, on Thursday night football. But I think that it'll be a great game. Um, it's a division rivalry. Um, I mean, the, the Niners-Seahawks that I remember is Richard Sherman and Crabtree going at it at the end zone. So I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, man. So you're going to – so what's your final pick on that one, the Niners? Yeah, I'm going to go Niners, even with a backup QB. Uh, I think they're going to get the job done. they got a lot of offensive weapons they'll find a way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you and roll with the Niners on this one. We're, this game, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if it's a high or low-scoring affair. The Seahawks offense has been looking really great lately. Geno Smith uh, taking over the show there. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and company. They've really been cooking these last couple games. Uh, unfortunate injury to Kenneth Walker. I believe they have Travis Homer as their backup now, but these guys can really move it through the air. And it's going to be interesting seeing that clash up against a Niners defense who hasn't allowed that much through the air. As we're recording this right now, they're currently up 21-0 against Tampa Bay, uh, and there's still seven minutes left in the second quarter there. So, I mean, a really, really good Niners defense. Been playing great ball lately. Versus, you know, I would argue that the Seahawks are more of an offensive team, so it'll be interesting. And as you know, these divisional rivalries are always going to be a game 
but I'm going to stick with the Niners. They're on a hot streak, quarterback controversy, but he's got plenty of weapons around him to still be able to get the job done. All right, so now going to move on to the Dolphins-Bills game. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this one? Who do you think is going to take out the dub on this one, Cole? This is going to be a hell of a game. Um, I think that, uh, first of all, both of them are high in the playoff race. Um, both of them are pretty hot teams, as we know. Um, Bills are a solid team. Dolphins are a solid team. Two has been playing well. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting. Um, after their first matchup earlier this year, um, and after watching that and seeing Miami take that one, um, I feel like there's no way the Bills lose twice. So I'm going to go Buffalo. All right, that's a very valid pick, and as it sits right now, the Bills are four-and-a-half-point favorites with an over-under on this game being 53-and-a-half. Uh, in case you don't have any reference, that's a, a lot for an NFL game. So, you know, I think Vegas expects to see a shootout. I think I expect to see a shootout. If you've got any of your Dolphins and Bills fantasy players, this is definitely going to be a strong start this upcoming week. But, um, you know, it's tough to say. The Dolphins did take this one earlier in the year. The Bills have been kind of struggling lately. Um, Josh Allen has looked, you know, far from superhuman, like how he looked earlier in the year and how he's looked uh, in, in past seasons. But, yeah, I agree. I I, don't, I think the Bills are going to take this one. I think they got something to prove, and uh, it's hard to beat a team twice in a season, especially a team that's as good as the Bills. And uh, But I think it's definitely going to be a shootout. You could be looking at a 37-34 finish or something like that, so. Uh, that'll be a, a, a high-flying game, absolutely. And so moving on now to the Chargers-Titans, and this one's really highlighted because, you know, the Chargers coming into the year were looking like one of the best teams, you know. In, they were already really good last year. They made a bunch of additions in the offseason to uh, build up some of the supporting cast, build up some defense, and uh, they still have just struggled a little bit this year. I don't think anybody expected them to be sitting around 500 at this time of the year, so a pretty crucial game against the Titans uh, if they want to put themselves back into the playoff picture. This almost seems like a must win, but what are your thoughts on this one, especially as a coming from a Chargers fan who knows the team pretty well? Yeah. Um this this yeah, it's definitely tough. Uh because like you said, as a Chargers fan, it's been hard to watch this year. I mean, sitting after 12 games, we got a game tonight against Miami, um which is a must win. Um sitting at 6 and 6 after 12 or whatever however many weeks we've been this is week 14 so sitting at six and six uh going into week 14 is definitely not where i expected us to be um kind of expected us after 12 games played to be more like a nine and three or ten and two um going into the year but we've had injuries a lot of people hurt so you can't expect too much when literally your whole wide receiver core has been injured um your whole basically secondary has been injured um and so, I mean, there's just a lot to uh, – not to make excuses, but there is a lot of stuff that hasn't gone right for the Chargers this year. Um, now, going into that game, um, like I mentioned, they have a game against Miami tonight, so it'll be interesting to see the outcome of that one. If we are to lose tonight, you have to beat Tennessee. Um, going into that game, it's six. you're going to be 6-7 and seven if you lose tonight, um, and there's just no way, I feel like, to really overcome that deficit if you were to drop another one to Tennessee. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I, like, like you mentioned, I think both teams are struggling. The Titans just lost today to the Jets or, um, not to the Jets, the Jaguars. Um, so it'll definitely be an interesting game to look out for. 
Yeah, uh, I agree with that one. And that that game today, they got absolutely trounced by the uh, Jaguars. The final score didn't really show it. I think they got to within one possession game at the end, but uh, they certainly could not stop Trevor Lawrence and that Jaguars offense. So uh, moving on to the next game we're highlighting here. Well, actually, I don't think I gave my opinion on this game. Um, I think it's tough to say. The Titans really have a good defense. The Chargers really have a good offense now. They finally got some people healthy. The supporting cast around Justin Herbert uh, is finally getting some wide receivers back. Unsure if Mike Williams is going to be available for that game. Do you have any update on that, Cole? Yes, he is back tonight. So unless he gets injured tonight, he should be back then. Gotcha. In that case, I'm going to go ahead and say the Chargers are going to take this game. I think it could be a lower scoring affair than most people are predicting, but um, I think, you know, depending on what happens tonight, even even if they win, it's still going to be a game that you really like to win uh, to, you know, secure your look in at the, at the playoffs here. So I think the Chargers are going to be able to pull it out. Uh, but anyway, moving on to the next game here, the Bucks versus Bengals. What are your thoughts on who's going to take this one home, Cole? Yeah, um, I mean, the Bucks have looked good the past few weeks until today. <laughs> As you mentioned, <laughs> I mean, they're playing right now against the Niners, and they're getting absolutely blown out 21 nothing before half. So, I mean, if you would have asked me this two hours ago, I would have told you I'd be taking Bucks, but I feel like you got to go Bengals here. Um, Joe Burrow um, had a good year once again. Um, he's got those threats down the line. Um, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Um, and then he's got Mixon and even Piran in the backfield. Piran's had a solid time backing up Mixon. So um, I'm going to go Bengals. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to take the Bengals as well in this one. Joe Shiesty, I mean, he doesn't have the best arm strength in the league. He doesn't have the most arm talent. He can't run the ball exceptionally well, but he does everything good enough, and, and he just finds a way to win. So with the Bengals, they've been on an absolutely hot streak lately. And again, they've had some injury issues. Uh, T. Higgins has been banged up a little bit here and there, like last couple weeks. Obviously, Jamar Chase missed a significant chunk of time. Uh, Joe Mixon being out since his uh, insane five-touchdown performance, and I think it was week, uh, week 11, I believe. But uh, again, that's another team who's just starting to get healthy. Obviously, the uh, AFC champions from, from the last year, so I think the Bengals are going to get that one done as well. So moving on, and this is this is going to be a really important game for both of these teams. We got the Giants versus the Commanders. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is going to be a huge game. Um, it's tough, tough to, to kind of think about where this one could go because it's division opponent. Um, and I think it's just going to end up being a really, really good game. Um, I think Heineke has surprised a lot of people. Um, as we know, the last one, when they played last Sunday, ended in a tie. So, like I said, it's just going to be – it's very hard to decide where this one will go. Um, but, personally, I think the commander's defense is a really good one. Um, I think that they're going to come out strong. Um, and I do not think it will end in a tie again. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to go commanders uh, in this one. Yeah, absolutely, and that's uh, it's really interesting to see how the scheduling worked out. Where there is that bye week in between, but you know these games being two weeks apart, you know with with the bye in between, they're actually playing each other in back to back games uh, for the Commanders at least. Um, obviously, the Giants uh, played today. Let me see uh, 
How did that game go? They lost to Philly. Yeah, they got blown out pretty badly, uh, 22-48. to 48. Um, So, yeah, like with the Commanders playing the Giants back-to-back weeks again, I agree with you. Don't think it's uh, likely to end in the tie again. But I think Taylor Heineke's got that dog in him. I mean, this the winner of this game could very well determine who's going to be able to sneak in for that wild-card spot in the NFC uh, with both teams with similar records, and I think it might come down to the head-to-head. Um, so I'm going to take the Commanders. That, that defense has been looking really, sh- uh, really sharp since the return of Chase Young. And again, with Heineke and this uh, divisional rivalry, I think they're going to be able to go 2-0 and against the Giants this year. For sure, for sure. All right, and moving on to the last uh, uh, highlighted game we're going to cover for this upcoming week in the NFL, looking at Packers versus Rams. Um, as a Packers fan myself, this year has definitely been extremely hard to watch. I believe at this point in time, mathematically, we've not been fully eliminated, but uh, certainly think that a lot of the fans believe that we are eliminated in their minds. Um, so what do, what do you think about this one? Obviously, a lot of changes for the Rams lately, so why don't you speak on that a little bit, Cole? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting. Um, two teams that have just kind of not had the years people expected. I mean, the Rams literally won the Super Bowl last year. Um, and then the Packers, I mean, are just always in the playoff hunt. So to see the Packers not in the playoff hunt is really just kind of almost shocking. Um, so it'll be it'll be a fun game, I think. Um, it'll be an interesting game. Um, and then once again, Baker Mayfield coming out of nowhere and balling on Thursday night. Um, making that game-winning drive with a minute 40, no timeouts um, from his own two-yard line. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, I do not know if Baker Mayfield can put on a performance like that again, Um, but I I wouldn't be shocked if he did um, just because I know that he's capable of it. How often does he do it? Not often, but he's definitely capable of it. Now, and the whole scheme of things, um, I'm probably going Packers, though. All right, that's uh, it's good to hear from you on that because uh, obviously you're a little bit less biased on this situation as I am. But I'm going to go with the Packers in this one as well. I think there's a lot of hype coming out of the Rams uh, with the Baker Mayfield. Obviously, you know, we saw what he did in that primetime game, you know, just arriving, you know, not even – 48 hours before that game starts I don't think many people expected him to be able to do that I mean being a quarterback in the National Football League is just about one of the hardest hardest uh, jobs you can have in the sports world and being able to call plays and have the right timing with his receivers and uh, make the reads he was making and and obviously that drive at the end of the game was pretty impressive but I think it's going to be a whole different story coming into Lambeau playing the Green Bay Packers which Again, they're not mathematically eliminated, so we've definitely got something to play for. Uh, at this point in time, I believe Aaron Rodgers still expects to be playing. Um, I'm not sure. You know, He's always been going, gone on the record for saying, as long as it's mathematically possible, I'm still going to go out there and give it my best shot. So I think with uh, the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers at Lambeau, at home, uh, it's going to be a little more difficult to win. So I'm going to take the Packers in that one as well. And that's going to go ahead and conclude our uh, – key matchups for this upcoming week so real quickly let's just finish off the NFL segment by running through some start and sit them in week 15 that you know these are going to be players that might not be super obvious for starts and sits and we're just going to try to provide a little bit of an edge based on what we see in the matchups or how these teams have been trending lately so um, 
going ahead and starting. Cole, why don't you just rattle off your quarterback, running back, wide receiver starts and sits, and then I'll go through mine as well. All right, sounds good. Um, yeah, I think that it's going to be an interesting week in the NFL. Um, like I said, you're getting into playoff time, so it's getting close, um, especially playoff time in fantasy. Um, so QB start, I think Derek Carr at home against the Patriots. Um, I think after losing to the Rams uh, on Thursday night football that he's going to come back and have a big game at home. Um, that Patriots defense is – all right, but um, I don't know if they'll be able to stand up to the Devontae Adams. So I'm going to go with that start. Um, running back start, Damian Pierce against the Chiefs. I wish the Texans would give this man the ball more because he is an absolute workhorse. Um, he does not go down easy. Um, and I think that against the Chiefs' rush defense, they have a pretty good rush defense. I think it's sixth in the NFL. But I think against the Chiefs, um, they don't really have many more options. Um, playing three different QBs half the time. So I think Damian Pierce is a good start. Um, and then wide receiver start, Carter and I talked about this one. Um, Thursday night he had a great game, 2-2 um, Atwell against the Packers. Um, Rams receiver um, almost basically looked like Baker's number one option, um, and I think he's a very underrated route runner. So I'm going 2-2 Atwell with my wide receiver start. <clears throat> now going to sits. Um, Daniel Jones at the Commanders. Uh, we talked about this game some. I think the Commanders are going to have a great game. I think their defense is going to play strong. Chase Young is going to play strong. So I don't know if I'd play Daniel Jones. Um, running back sit, Travis Etienne against the Cowboys. Travis Etienne had a rough game today. They threw the ball a lot with Trevor Lawrence, and I expect them to do that again next week. So uh, I'm going to go Travis Etienne's probably a good sit next week. And last wide receiver sit, um, Christian Watson against the Rams. You could also say Alan Lazard. I pretty much would just say whoever is getting guarded by Jalen Ramsey, um, a good corner, and I just wouldn't expect too much from Matt Packers uh, receiving core. But once again, it is possible. But with that worn-down Rams rush defense, no Aaron Donald, um, I think that playing a running back for the Packers would probably be smarter than wide receivers. All right, yeah, I really like that. Uh, I think you got some good explanations there, and I uh, think that you got some valid points. We will see how they turn out, though. So going through, and I'm going to go ahead and go through the starts as well. So this one that I got in my show notes here, I got Tyler Hunt, or yeah, uh, Huntley, the uh, Ravens quarterback at the Browns, and uh, he did suffer an injury today. I believe it's a concussion, so we'll have to see how he progresses through the protocol. And to be honest, he didn't really look too great before uh, you know, while he was still active in the game. So assuming that he's not going to be able to clear concussion protocol, my backup, I'm going to pivot to Jared Goff of the Lions. I mean, he has just looked fantastic lately. The Lions are making a run out of nowhere, and they are still definitely in playoff contention. Um, and I think, you know, this team's got that underdog mentality. They got a lot to play for, led by Dan Campbell, who's just, uh, I think, one of the better coaches in the NFL, really likable guy. And uh, Jared Goff's been playing really great lately. Uh, he had a fantastic game, thrown for 3.30 and 3 today against the Vikings. And uh, even though he does kind of have a tough matchup next week against the Jets, uh, that Jets defense has looked pretty good as of late. But I think Jared Goff's still going to be able to get it done. And uh, I think that'd be pretty cool to see the Lions go in and win that game. And they could still potentially come out of nowhere and win that division or at least clinch a, clinch a wild card spot. Uh, so and that that's going to be for my quarterback start. For my running back start, I'm going to go Derrick Henry against the Chargers. 
Um, you know, as of today, Derrick Henry had a pretty great showing. But before this, the last couple of weeks, he's definitely looked a little bit shaky compared to the standards everybody has for Derrick Henry. Um, but next week, he's got a matchup against the Chargers. It's pretty well known that the Chargers play a run-funnel defense. You know, they don't like to give up too much over the top, but they'll give it up on the ground. Um, and Derrick Henry's probably one of the best, most dominant running backs in the NFL when he's healthy and when he can get uh, through the line. You know, a lot of a, a lot of part of his running is the momentum aspect. You know, when he starts getting hit, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and he doesn't have a lot of time to build up that momentum, you know, you see some of these games in the past where he's running for, you know, under 60 rushing yards in a game. But when he can get some of that momentum going, man, it is hard to stop that guy. So I got Derrick Henry against the Chargers. I think he's going to have a big game next week. And then uh, as far as my wide receiver start, I've just got any Bills or Dolphins wide receivers. I mean, obviously, you're always going to be starting your Tyreek Hills, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddles. But I, I think that this game with that over-under, that really high over-under at 53.5, I think that could even open up things, you know, you know, just potentially even starting, you know, Trent Sherfield for the Dolphins, Gabe Davis for the Bills could have a big game. I just think it's going to be high-flying, high-scoring. And uh, you could really open up some of your options, then even maybe to the t- t- tight ends potentially with uh, Gaiseki and uh, Knox. So that's going to be my advice to try to start any fantasy players that you've got in that matchup. Running back through the sits. Now, for the quarterback, don't hold me accountable for this one. I'm not advising to sit Patrick Mahomes, but I would definitely temper my expectations. Um, the, they do have the Texans next week, and while the Texans have been just extremely bad this year on defense they've really been giving it up a a lot on the run Um, and so a lot of teams have been electing to run against them more often obviously uh, this this note document was made before the game today uh, when they put up a a great showing against the Cowboys Um, uh, they weren't able to you know finish that game off but certainly their defense looked a lot better than it has lately so not not advising to sit Patrick Mahomes but definitely would manage my expectations um, I believe the Texans have only gave up 21 points to the, uh, fantasy points to the quarterback position at max this year. Um, because, you know, get a couple defensive scores, a couple scores on the ground, and then all of a sudden, you know, Patrick Mahomes might not be playing in the fourth quarter. So, uh, it's definitely something to look out for. I doubt you have, uh, many better options to pivot to, but it's interesting to see and actually analyze, you know, with how bad of a defense the Texans are, how little they actually are giving up to opposing fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, moving on to the running back sit, I've got Nick Chubb against the Ravens, and uh, this one's really proving uh, proving itself today. Nick Chubb just really having a, uh, a, a tough outing uh, in the game this week, and uh, he really has been struggling as of late. Started off the season really hot, and uh, you know he was looking at a bunch of hundred plus yard games, touchdowns left and right. But as of late, it's been hard for him to uh, get the run game going. And uh, I think against that divisional opponent, the Ravens, that defense has looked really good against the run this year, and I think they're going to be able to stop them pretty pretty easily. Uh, they could hold them again to another game under 50 yards potentially. And then for the wide receiver sit, I've got Terry McLaurin against the Giants. Um, I just think that game's going to be really really hard-fought defensive battle, and uh, that could really just limit Terry McLaurin's uh, ability to uh, put up a a big game. I believe he did have a big game when they played uh, just last week, but um, I th- I just I have a gut feeling that he's not going to be able to put up the numbers in this one, so might look to pivot elsewhere for that wide receiver spot.
And uh, that's going to wrap up our NFL segment of this uh, week's podcast. So we're going to move on to college hoops, and I'm going to let Cole go ahead and take back over and, and lead this segment. Yeah, one more thing before we leave that. Uh, they just came out with news. I was looking at fantasy team on sleeper, and Debo just got hurt a really bad knee injury. So um, be interesting to see um, news, upcoming news on that. But it does not look good. Yikes! Yeah, that is breaking news. That is that is not what you want to see for the Forty Niners. Uh, you want to have those key pieces around Purdy to keep the offense going. So that's uh, that definitely will be. Something to look look at and monitor as we move forward here, how the significance of that injury. For sure, for sure. All right, so uh, moving on, uh, some college hoops. This is just a quick little segment. It's early in the season. Um, we still don't know too much about most teams, but we can go ahead and get started. Um, first thing we can talk about is whether or not, or first of all, the struggles for UNC um, and whether or not they're going to rebound like they did last year. Um, first of all, I just – I like I like Hubert Smith a lot. I think he's a good coach, uh, or Hubert Davis. Um, I think that Carolina definitely can rebound like last year, and I think they will. Um, I mean, as we know, they went on, beat Duke in the Final Four, and made it to the national championship where they eventually lost to Kansas. But I think that it's definitely bound to happen, something like that again. Their team's just too good. They got everybody back. Um, but – It'll just be interesting to see, um, especially when we get more into ACC play and they play some better competition. Um, I mean, they've lost some good to get some good non-conference teams, but I think that the conference play will definitely be a teller um, and show us whether or not Carolina's the real deal or not. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think you really nailed it right on the head here. I mean, a lot of people are uh, questioning UNC's ability this year. Are they? you know, super overrated. Are they going to be able to bounce back? You know, I think people just got to look back to last year. I, I think you mentioned this, but they had a rough year uh, at the beginning last year as well. But, you know, they have a lot of talent. They had a lot of people return for this run this year. And, uh, you know, I think they got the talent and the coach and be able to figure it out. The ACC play will be very telling, but I think they're going to be able to bounce back and, and potentially make a run in the ACC and, uh, and uh, the Arch Madness as well. For sure, for sure. So building off of that, uh, I guess we can go into uh, where we kind of list off who we think the best team in the nation or a sleeper team might be. Um, for myself, I really like Purdue. Um, they've proven with some big wins this year so far that they are a team to beat. Uh, on top of that, UConn and Arizona both look good. I know Arizona had a bad loss to Utah, but Arizona is just really strong. I like their guard play. They got a lot of bigs down low. Um, Balo, their center, is a freaking beast. Um, so I think that those three teams are definitely teams to watch out for. Um, and I will add Carolina to that list just because I think they're a sleeper. Um, I hate Carolina, but they're just always a team you got to look out for. Yeah, and for me personally on that subject, uh, I really like how the Volunteers look this year, man. They can they can spread the ball out. They can shoot it. They've got a good uh, team mentality, and they've already got some quality wins earlier in the year. They beat Kansas, uh, pretty pretty hefty, uh, sixty four to fifty to win that tournament. Can't remember the exact name of it, but I think Tennessee looks really good this year. Ranked number seven in the nation right now, and I think they're only going up from there. They're they're definitely my favorite to uh, to make a good run this year. For sure, for sure. Um, 
now, I mean, once again, I mentioned earlier for when we talk about the college segments, we're going to talk a little bit about our team, the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Um, for that. <laughs> Let the big dogs eat. Um, I think that State, especially after these last two ACC games, a loss to Pitt, a loss to Miami, um, going after we played um, in the tournament, uh, in Atlantis, I really was happy with what we looked like. We had that close loss to Kansas, and I was excited. Um, but after these two losses, I, I, I really don't know. Maybe a hopeful middle of the ACC. Um, hopefully, I mean, it's still possible to make the tournament, but after those first two ACC losses, it'll be a challenge for sure. we got to have some big wins. Um, and with the injury to Dusan Mohorchich, I mean, there's just a lot that goes into it, and I don't know if it'll happen. But, I, I mean, I'm, of course, I, like I said, I'm hopeful. Um, I mean, we got Jarkel Joyner and Traquavion Smith, who are arguably the best backcourt in the ACC. I mean, those dudes can shoot lights out, and when they get going, they get going. Um, so, it'll be interesting. Um, I like this team a lot just si- simply because I do like our guards a lot. I think Jarkel Joyner overall as a basketball player is one of the best guards to come through state in a while. Um, he transferred from Ole Miss, and I think he's just overall really good. I like him a lot. Um, and I do, I do think this team defends better than most of the state teams we had in the past, but do I think the coaching will get us to the next step? No, I do not. So, yeah, you uh, I, th- I think you hit it right on the head here with the injury to Doosan. I mean, our team already does not have much size to begin with. Uh, we like to spread the ball out and, and shoot a lot of threes. Like you mentioned, our backcourt – has exceptional shooting talent, um, but with that injury, it's going to be interesting to see how we ad- adopt and when we get into this ACC play and, and look at some teams with a lot more size than the out-of-conference teams we've been playing thus far. You know, Are we going to be able to guard them down low? Are we going to be able to get rebounds? Uh, it's gonna, it's hard to tell. Only time will tell, but you know, I think NC State has always had a reputation of playing up and down to the teams that they play, you know, playing down to their opponent when it, you know, they might not be the best opponent, but also playing up in the big games. Um, and and uh, we got Duke and UNC twice this year, so it's going to be really telling what we do with those games. I believe the first Duke game is January 4th. You can uh, fact check me on that. But uh, so, so we got it coming up here. We only got another game or two in between now and then uh, with the holidays coming up. You know, they don't, they don't like to hit it too hard, give the players a break. But, um, you know, we'll see. Are we going to be able to play up? You know, we can shoot the ball lights out. We can definitely put up a lot of points. But are we going to be able to, you know, have the size to get it done? And like you mentioned, the coaching, uh, only time will tell. But I'm hopeful as a fan. For sure, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Like you said, I'm hopeful, but there's no telling. All right, so that wraps up our college hoop segment. Uh, we can go ahead and jump into some NBA. Um, first off, we're going to talk a little bit about the MVP race. Um, so right now, NBA two days ago came out with their uh, NBA MVP ladder. Uh, you got Jason Tatum at one, which I know Carter loves as a Celtics fan. You got Giannis at two. Um, Luca at three, Nikola Jokic at four, and John Morant at five. So, I mean, if you're sitting here talking about that right now, Carter, you got any prediction for who you think the MVP might be? Yeah, I mean, I may, it might seem a little bit too obvious, uh, being that he is number one in the race right now, but I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. You know, as a Celtics fan, I've really got to enjoy seeing Jason Tatum come up, uh, 
these last couple of years, and he's had a really solid start to the beginning of his career. Uh, this year in particular, he's been looking really, really good. I mean, as a Celtics fan and also as his uh, manager of him on my fantasy basketball team, you know, it's it's hard to say, you know, he's not the front runner in the MVP race. I mean, you look at his game log on Sleeper, and it's just green, green, green. So he's been putting up a lot of great games and uh, leading the Celtics to a pretty good record to start the year. So I'm going to rock, rock with my boy Jason Tatum on this one. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, like you said, it's pretty obvious as he stands number one in the ladder. But, I mean, that dude is balling right now. Charles Barkley just said on TNT the other night that he's taking heads. So, um, <laughs> I would say for sure that Jason Tatum's a great pick. Um, and then the other two, I mean, Giannis and Luka. Um, I mean, I think Luka – what amazes me, and I tell a lot of people this, what amazes me is Luka looks so slow on the court, yet he gets past everyone because he is just so smooth. Um, and he's really fun to watch. Same with Giannis. I mean, that dude's just a beast. So it'll be interesting to see as it plays out. Um, now moving on to some predictions to win the finals. This is tough. This early in the year. Um, I think just adding on to what we just talked about, I think the Celtics are definitely a team that could win it. Um, they got depth. They got, um, good guard playing Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon, but then they also have Jalen Brown and Tatum to add on to that. And then you got the veteran presence of Al Horford, who had some great games last year in the playoffs. So um, I think that's definitely a good pick. Um, the Bucks as well, they always have those veteran players to go along with Giannis. Um, and it's just so hard to guard that guy um, with how long he is. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, but those are my picks. You got anybody? Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Celtics again on this one. Might be a little biased, but we've just looked so good this year. And uh, coming off a season where we were the runner-ups and we just we couldn't really get the job done in the uh, in the NBA championship last year. But, yeah, a couple of really big games from uh, Jalen Brown and Al Horford down the stretch. So, you know, I really wish Jason Tatum could have stepped up a little bit then. But, um, you know, he's looking really solid this year. We, uh, we've got a great start to the year, a couple people getting off injuries, getting healthy. And, uh, I mean, besides the obvious, you know, Golden State Warriors, can they repeat it? Can they continue their dynasty with Steph and Clay and now Jordan Poole? And, I mean, they really do have a star-studded lineup. So, I mean, you know, them, the Bucks, the Celtics, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, stay biased, stay with my Celtics. But I certainly do see a couple other teams that look like strong candidates early on this year. For sure. Uh, I can agree with that. So, um, building on that, uh, Carter and I want to go ahead and point out, we're going to talk a little bit about NBA fantasy, uh, but we want to go ahead and point out that if you are not on Sleeper for basketball fantasy, you need to get on it right now. Sleeper has the best fantasy basketball setup. ESPN sucks. We moved to Sleeper this year for football and basketball, and it has been awesome. Um, so, we are that, and that's not an advertisement. That's not a sponsor. not sponsored. We that nope. It, <laughs> we are saying that because it has been awesome this year. Um, been really fun to do NBA. I haven't ever been. I mean, I've enjoyed doing NBA fantasy, but this year I've actually really enjoyed it just because it makes it a lot more interesting. But sleeper, if you hear this, you want to sponsor us? Let us know. Yes, please let us know. Um, so just just adding on that, we can talk a little bit about our matchup. Carter and I actually played this week um, in NBA Fantasy. Um, currently, it looks like I'm going to take it, but if Man. Pat Bev balls out, <laughs> I need, might get it. I need to 
A big game from Pat Bev, but we'll see. <laughs> Unlikely. I think I got like a 4% chance according to Sleeper right now, but we'll see what Performance happens. Performance-wise, we had some big performances. Um, Russell Westbrook against Philly the other night had a triple-double, which was big for me. Um, Clay Thompson had a 31 or 34-point outing, which resulted in 31 fantasy points. Um and Dame had a really big night the other night, scored 46 fantasy points with 40 points and 12 assists. Um, and then I have a few guys that have just been really good role players, really good consistency-wise, like Jalen Brown. So, um, And then looking at Carter's team, um, I'll let him talk about some, but I know Donovan Mitchell had a really big game, and um, Tatum is always good for him, so I'll let him add on to that. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell really carried the squad this week, uh, 42.5 fantasy points, uh, and that's coming off of 43 actual points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals. I mean, that's I think I believe that's his best game of the year so far, so that was really good to see uh, some vintage Donovan Mitchell coming out to play this week for my, for my squad. And uh, Jason Tatum, unfortunately, I was holding out for the big game, had to lock him in at a 25-point fantasy performance, um, but, you know, he's been so solid throughout the year. You know, he's only got three games here in the yellow fantasy points, which I believe is like uh, under 25. So he's been killing the game. He's been a great asset to my team. And, uh, you know, as my first overall first round pick in this year's draft, he's really paid off. Uh, Zion's been playing great lately. Um, He's finally, you know, this year he's been looking really good. He's set up for potentially his best year in the NBA yet. He's looking slimmer, looking quicker. He's able to play more minutes than he has in the past. And so he's a big asset to my team. Uh, again, uh, another player, DeAndre Ayton, has been playing really good lately. A lot of minutes, uh, putting up a lot of points, a lot of rebounds. Uh, he's been a big, big part of my team, and and a sleeper that I've got on my team, Jordan Poole. You know, he's you know might not think of him as a great fantasy player. He put, does put up a lot of points, but uh, when you have some of these games where you have injuries to Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, or you have them you know not playing because of load management, when Jordan Poole steps out there and he's a starter, he can ball, man. I mean, he dropped 36 points earlier this week and followed that up with another 20-point performance against Boston. So, you know, I'm really interested to see how his uh how he progresses throughout the season because he's surely got that raw talent and looks like he's uh another splash bro out there oh yeah oh yeah yeah pool pool's uh been impressive for sure after watching him last year you knew he was going to be good but he just continued to prove that he is going to be a third splash bro um so that wraps it up for our nba section the last little thing we want to talk about um, it's some prize picks. Me and Carter hopped on this. Carter's been on it for a while. He got me on it. Um, a really fun app that we like to play on. Um, and we kind Again, of not sponsored, but sleeper prize picks. <laughs> Hit us up. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, so we can go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Um, this past week, uh, so I started playing, I believe, on Monday night, either Sunday night or Monday night. Uh, and since I started, I've won 225 bucks. Um, so you can't beat that. So um, basically, I'll talk a little bit about the picks I made today. Um, first of all, Joe Burrow. Um, I put down $10 on a two-pick entry. I took the under on Joe Burrow passing yards and the over on Zeke rushing touchdowns. Zeke got at the very end of the game, thank goodness. Um, and I made 30 bucks. So 
um, that was something fun to watch. Um, and it's just really, it's really fun to go in there, put a few six leggers and put five bucks down, see what you can make happen. Um, but definitely an app that I would say is worth the download. Um, fun to do. Don't get addicted to it, but, um, it's definitely, definitely a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you only want to put money in there that you're prepared to lose. So, you know, don't want to encourage, uh, Sports gambling, you might call it, although prize picks technically is a fantasy game. That's why it's legal in North Carolina. But, you know, if you want to, have a little fun, toss around a couple bucks in there, but just be prepared to lose it all and, uh, you know, have fun while you're going along it. But, yeah, so we've been experimenting with, you know, some strategies to use in prize picks to try to maximize how much you're winning. And uh, lately what we've been doing is just a couple, you know, five, six-leg home run parlays. It's really fun to watch the odds that they hit not very high. Um, but you know, again, just put a couple bucks on that and, and maybe get lucky one time. But what we've been doing a lot lately is, uh, especially using the prize picks promo. Sometimes they go in and and make some discounts like Justin Herbert this week, uh, over 0.5 passing yards. So assuming he doesn't get hurt on the first play of the game, that's pretty much a freebie. Um, so we've been going in there and and really just hitting a bunch of two leggers. It's not as fun, not as glamorous. You know, you're not going to get the 25 times payout. Um, but it is it does seem to be like a really good strategy to use in there. Put in like one home run and then just take, you know, that your two or three super strong legs, especially if you have a promotion on on a, on a discount on one of the lines. And uh go ahead and take some two leggers, make sure you cover yourself, make some money. And uh, you know, that's what we've been doing today. Personally for myself, I had Justin Tucker over one and a half field goals. He hit that in the first half. And then I also had the Zeke over half a rushing touchdown. That game definitely didn't go as expected, but, you know, he pulled it out at the end, so that was really cool to see. And uh, uh, we were getting pretty pretty excited in the in the apartment here. And then I had another two-legger. That's the Justin Herbert over half a passing yard, which, you know, fingers crossed it hasn't hit yet, but I, I assume it will. And that was, uh, again, a two-legger with the Justin Tucker one-and-a-half field goals made. So I had a six-legger that was – pretty out there. Tony Pollard didn't quite reach his rushing yards. DeAndre Swift didn't reach the receiving yards uh, line, but you know, it was fun to watch along the way. It looked pretty promising at about halftime, but just couldn't pull it out in the second half of the, of the one o'clock slate. But yeah, it's a good time. Again, disclaimer, you know, gambling addictions are real. So, you know, get help if you feel like you're getting addicted to it. Certainly we don't, you know, encourage that, but if you do like sports and you do like to try to get an edge on, you know, maybe get in, into uh, some sports betting. Uh, we'll definitely be here to give you guys some uh, some good lines, you know, some insight into what we're doing and what, you know, we're figuring out the best strategies are as we go along through this because we are pretty new as well. For sure. Well, that about wraps it up. Um, I want to say uh, that, like we mentioned at the beginning, this is me and Carter's first go at this, so – um, bear with us. We're going to get episodes out like we mentioned, hopefully every week. But, um, like I said at the beginning, um, we're going to probably have a little two week break, little Christmas time action. Um, and then we will be back with an episode on Christmas Eve. So that'll be fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, hope you guys enjoyed Carter. You got any last thoughts? I don't know, man. Season one, episode one. It's been a long time in the making, but we finally got around to it. Uh, please be easy on the criticism of this. We're pretty new to this, so 
you know, might be rough. Also, if you're still listening at this point in the podcast, shout out to a, a great listener because I imagine some people won't make it quite this far. So, so shout out <laughs> to you guys who made it this far through. Yeah. But that's sure. all I got. All right, sweet. Well, we will see y'all in about a week and six days on Christmas Eve, December 24th. Um, we'll have that episode out to y'all. And, yeah, we're just really excited to get started on this, uh, and we believe we can make it big. So appreciate y'all, and we will talk to y'all soon. See ya.